welcome to MSP 1337. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, a show dedicated to cybersecurity challenges, solutions, a journey together, not alone. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of MSP 1337. I'm joined this week by none other than Charles Love of Showtech Solution. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate being here. Hey, so over the years, we've over the three years that this podcast has been aired, we've had a couple conversations throughout that were tied to this time of year. Like, oh, wait, it's hurricane season. Uh, and you are, uh, as you said, you're about 24 hours away from Hurricane, uh, I don't remember the name, starts with an I. Yeah, it's hard to pronounce. We'll just say the I hurricane. We'll just say the the I hurricane, whether you're in the I or not. Um, So we were talking earlier about all the things that we're seeing happening in the industry. I've been talking about the trust mark almost, that's probably like, it's like a bad word almost for me. Like, Chris, put the quarter in 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 the swear jar, right? Like I say it all the time. That and CIS, those are... And if you're not focused on what we're doing, maybe you're you're using the CMMC comes out of your mouth a lot, and maybe you should put a quarter in the swear jar. But today, um, as I think about all the things you asked me earlier, like Chris, you know, what's been top of mind? What's been the theme? And I said, you know, everything from don't let the tool, you know, define what you're doing. It, it, it's an enabler. Uh, and and you you brought up an idea that I think is is really where it's at. And and this is a perfect time of year to talk about it. If you're going through a framework, whether it's CIS, so let me just clarify, we probably should just give a title to this. I have used a framework. I am now in the storm. Fill in the blank of what storm it might be, you know, that you need yep. to implement what you've been working on for the last six months, the last five years. It is now time to get those playbooks out. It's time to get those incident response plans out because you're in it. And so today is a conversation, casual conversation around how do I prepare for that which I can't be truly prepared for because you don't know what it's going to look like until it happens. So Charles, you've been kind of, you know, when it's hurricane season, you, you generally don't get a heads up like the hurricane's here because it's raining. Uh, hurricanes are, are tracked a little bit better than that. So it's it's not something like, oh, we had an earthquake and and now you have to implement, right? Uh, there's a little bit of heads up. So obviously this is maybe, maybe that's a good thing, or maybe it just raises the level of anxiety. So uh, Charles, you know, over the last few days, uh, I think Showtech as an example, you guys have been really working on how do I make sure that I get the information out and that we're doing the due diligence. I mean, I'll just start with this question. Where do you even start? As I think about like CIS top 18, there's an element to almost every single one of those 18 controls that probably can come into play with what you need to sort of plan for as what you're about to roll out for the, what is expected to hit tomorrow. Yeah. So going back to that, I I do have a playbook, right? You know, we, as an MSP, everyone should have like an incident response plan or whatever SOP you have, you can have one, how to set up a new PC, you know, make sure you do these 30 things. Right. Um, we actually, I, I developed it a few years ago, but we have a uh, tropical storm slash hurricane uh, playbook that we follow. And uh, like you said, we do get a bit of advanced warning. It's kind of a super duper educated guess as to right. where the storm will go. Um, there's basically 
for those who don't know, they're typically in a storm like this, there's a what they call the cone of uncertainty, which currently the cone of uncertainty is from Miami to the panhandle, right? Which means <laughs> yeah, that's you know that's small that's a range. lot. That's yeah. that that's like a half day drive, right. right, to get from one to the other. It's it's from Tampa, it takes me four hours to get to Miami. So going the span between two time zones. I mean, that's a, Florida's quite large, right? right. Um, so you, you just have to be prepared for that because we don't want to be uh, starting to say, hey, I should probably go get water 24 hours before the storm hits, right? right. But many do. Um, but as far as the MSP goes, you know, our playbook our playbook basically says, you know, obviously watch out for the storms, right? Just kind of, kind of be prepared. Um, I won't walk you through the whole playbook, but I will, I can tell you a little bit about what we do. Well, let me ask a question before you go into your playbook. I, I would think based on what you said and like, Hey, it's 24 hours before the storm, let's hit Walmart up and get a few cases of water. There's a good chance Walmart's out of water because all those that said I need water and they went and bought you know an ungodly amount because that's totally relevant to needing it for the you know the apocalypse as well as the current situation so do you have as part of your strategy a we're always ready and these are the things that we always make sure we have in inventory yes for so when we talk about inventory at the office I always try to keep things like spare firewalls, spare switches, you know, all the necessities. Right. Um, you know, I, I I do tend to stock up a little bit pre-hurricane season, make sure I have a couple extra laptops and desktops just sure. in case something happens, battery backups, that kind of thing. Um, you know, I'll just as an aside note, everyone will laugh at this, but it is amazing the amount of people who think the little hundred dollar UPS battery should last five hours. What? Right. And not five minutes at the most. Right. Like, I don't understand. We bought that UPS. Why didn't it keep our business running? Because it has a battery that's about three inches big. It's yeah. smaller than the one in your cell phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, it's always fun. But, uh, you know, we, we try to keep stock of stuff, but obviously with the amount of customers that could be affected, there's only so much we can do. I can't sure. stock up 30 grand worth of stuff. Right. Um, but going back to the water situation, you're right. A lot of times it is too it is too late. Um, we did get a call the other day saying, like from a non-managed customer, somebody who just like calls us when they need us. Hey, I'd like to talk about some hurricane prep. I'm like, yeah, uh, that should have happened two months ago. Right. Right. Like as as customers are getting ready and moving people out of the office, now is unfortunately not the time. But I helped them. I gave them some advice, right? Things like that. Um, but you you really need to start planning this stuff in the summertime. Update your plan. Make sure it's good. Make sure your customers know what the plan is too. Right. This is this is. I don't want to say this is what I'm about to say, but it includes what I'm about to say, and that is the responsibility matrix. Who's responsible for yeah. what in this equation? And part of it is, you know, if the client communicates to you that they've already evacuated their office and they're planning to all work from home and they tell you after they've done it, that's not very responsible. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the customers that, you know, we have on fully managed, we, we typically know what their, what their plan is. 
but you know, sometimes they'll just, they'll ride it out to the wheels fall off. Right. The, there's a, unfortunately there's a stigma, I guess you could say in Florida where it's not going to hit us. It's not going to hit us. Right. right. And even last year there was a storm barreling. It was supposed to hit Tampa, supposed to hit Tampa. We were braced, you know, we had the family in the bedroom, all that kind of fun stuff. And then overnight while everybody was sleeping, um, I jokingly say it, it took a left turn at Albuquerque or a right turn. Yeah. And that bad boy went, nah, I'm just kidding. And it totally bypassed Tampa. And unfortunately it did hit Fort Myers and they were not ready and they were not prepared. Sure. Um, because all the indications from all the meteorological, you know, things, all the spaghetti models all said right. Tampa. And it's like, nope. But the cone, again, all of Florida, right? So it's like, they don't know. They, they make best guesses, but, you know, things change. So you got to be prepared for that. Like, you don't gamble, really, with these kind of odds, right? Like, you don't go, I'm going to let it ride on red because the cone says, you know, I'm putting my life savings in here. So if you wouldn't put your life savings in there, why would you not do something that says I'm at least somewhat prepared? Yeah. And, you know, people just have to understand that cone is the cone for a reason, right? Like if Texas is not in the cone, then they probably don't have to worry. I say probably, right? Because the thing could make a left, right? You never know, but you just got to be prepared, right? Obviously, if you're in Texas, you're not boarding up if it's pointed toward Florida. Well, I mean, this right? comes back to, you know, business impact analysis, uh, risk assessments. Mm -hmm. Those are all important things. And, you know, when we think about it in the cybersecurity space of, of what's reasonable, we don't go and say, well, I saw Log4j on this one asset. Um, we should drop everything that we're doing, spend $10,000 and replace that NAS right now because it's a high risk. What's the probability that it's actually going to happen to them? Yes, we should make a plan. Yes, we should do something about it. But that doesn't mean it needs to happen in the next 24 hours. And I think that's kind of to your point, like those that are in Texas, maybe don't need to have the same level of prep as the, you know, as Charles in, in, in Tampa, um, but they yeah. should have some understanding of, of maybe it's swap out this exercise for a different one, right? Put a different disaster into the mix and go, well, how different are the disasters that we might pre prepare for? They all probably include some commonality. Let's at least put that into the mix. And then if we start seeing patterns that might indicate something of, of a more significant indicator towards one versus another we can take additional steps but we don't need to like be crazy and buy all the water at walmart correct and and some customers get it few and far between right <laughs> so is it the ones that have had bad things happen that get it yeah it's it's <laughs> kind of like the the company who gets uh you know i don't I almost said the b word or, or, and a company who gets compromised compromised has yeah. an incident <laughs> Uh, they are all about security. The ones who haven't think it's stupid, right? And then we just have to kind of educate them on that. Um, I, I've got, I will tell you kind of a cool story. Um, we do have one customer that has about nine locations all throughout Florida, and they were smart. Um, instead of, it's so funny, everyone will get, it's funny, everybody will get um, fiber and coax because they have a sense of security in their mind that I have two different internet connections, right? But they don't realize 
there's a little gray box on the corner of the street. And when that box floods, all internet drops, right? It's a, you know, it's like, well, I have two different providers. Yes, but they're in those same lines. Right. Yeah, it's it's uh it's uh if you don't know that one if if one is aerial and one is below ground, now we're talking about redundancy, right? Like I don't care who the providers yeah. are or the technology they use, it's more <clears throat> about how is it physically getting to and where is it physically coming from. Yeah, so going back to this one customer, they know this because they used to have two different providers and the car went through the little box on the corner and next thing you know, both providers went out, right? Um so they actually went and bought Starlink. So they have Starlink uh, routers or whatever they're called at all of their offices. Not so much for site-to-site VPN because you can't do that, but it'll at least give that office and that location internet serviceability so they can actually support their customer. They're related to a storm. We'll just leave it at, at that. They, it's a business that handles storm stuff. Um, so they, they're all now they're really, but they're a whole lot better at it now because they can still operate. Yeah. Yeah. And how cool is it to say, yeah, you know, we have Starlink as our internet backup. I, I think that's pretty cool. So, um, but they get it right. They get it. Uh, they don't have any server infrastructure. It's all in the cloud, but their people need to be able to communicate with their customers during service restoration and things like that. So, so that's that's Starlink. Do they also have Skynet for communicating? Yeah. Just uh, yeah. we just send that to the AI and they do all the. I I did ask them if they want their Wi-Fi name Skynet, but that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, I won't manage it for you. We have AI for that. Yeah, yeah, and but it's you know it is kind of neat. I really think that's going to be the new way we handle internet backups. Uh, it's still very new. Right, they're still launching satellites. Heck, we just saw a, a, I think satellite number ten get launched, or series number ten get yeah. launched two days ago. But going back to the storm prep, yeah. Um, sometimes the customers are so overwhelmed with what is happening, that's where we get to step in and be like, "Hey, don't worry, I have a plan." Right. Right. Here's a here here's what we're gonna do. Um, so for example, one of the things we do is we sent out an email. It's pre-written. All they got to do is like change the name of the storm, right? And make a little updates. And then, you know, a, a couple of days before that storm, that email goes out. It's being like, hey, we're here for you. All is good. And then I have a, it's kind of like a drip campaign, but I have a second one that hits about 12 hours before the storm, just kind of reminding them, hey, we're here for you. But now I start to get a little more helpful. Like, hey, remember guys, if your internet goes out, you have to call your provider to report it. If your building right. does not have power, your internet will not work either, right? Um, At least not I will, for very long. I, I will tell you, there was one time we did take a call. And the lady is so Oops. mad because she can't get on the internet. And I'm like, well, I don't see your PC online. She's like, well, yeah, we don't have any power. I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, I have my laptop up, but I can't get to my Wi-Fi. I'm like, wait, wait, you're sitting in the dark? She's like, well, yeah, I have flashlights. And uh, we had to kind of break it to her that, hey, you know, the, the internet thing needs power to to give it, you it, it doesn't run on magic juice? <laughs> yeah, she couldn't hang up fast enough. <laughs> uh, like, 
She's like, wait, I just got off my bicycle. You mean I can't power it anymore? Yeah. So we actually called her back, showed her how to do a hotspot on her phone. And then magically she was up, but then the phone died. But that was the whole thing. So, but in the, in the heat of the moment, people aren't really thinking, right? They're like, sure. uh, you know, like my printer's not plugged in. Why is it not printing? That kind of stuff. So, you know, we have to just kind of help with that. Logic then, is defied with with a lot of this, right? Like the, if, if it was normal yes. circumstance, they have their own, uh, most people, their, their logic brain kicks in and they're like, oh, I should plug that in or, oh, I should turn that on. But when you're in the heat of the moment, there, a lot of that yeah. goes out the window. And so to your point, you have to have some level of uh, empathy for the person who's calling. Like you can't just, you know, you, you could have been very abrupt and abrasive and, you know, how stupid are you? Like the internet's down because you have no power uh, would not have, that would have just elevated a situation that would have been far worse. Yeah. And sometimes it's the infrastructure, right? So the storm that happened a couple of years ago uh, damaged the cell towers in our neighborhood. I had to drive 20 minutes uh, just to get cell service, right? I mean, that's like so, an apocalyptic kind of situation. It was super weird. You didn't I, use I, your I landline. Think. Oh, wait, because you don't have one. Yeah, don't have one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just. You know, I'm hoping nothing happens like that. Maybe this fizzles out, but I know that's not realistic. People will get affected. And, you know, we just got to try to be there to help them. And you know what? If I got to just talk to you and, and you know, talk about sports ball or whatever to kind of calm you down. Yeah. Then, then that's what we'll do. Because this is, we live in a world of, you know, mental health challenges. And, and this is a stressor for people knowing that there's a storm coming and now you're just waiting, watching the clock. Right. Like you're really not going to know that you're in the path until you start to hear the raindrops on the roof. Yeah. And what a lot of people may not realize, because I know hurricanes aren't a big thing, but I know it's in California right now, you know, there's, there's the middle of the storm, which is kind of like the worst, but then the outsides are also terrible because that's what's basically spawning tornadoes and just ripping roofs off and all that stuff yeah so so uh we kind of went through really i think highlighting the things that we all um need to think about that are maybe less cybersecurity related and more about yeah. just just kind of thinking about the what's coming what you know <laughs> if we know what's coming but but i think uh shifting gears this is like this is the, honestly, this is the most important piece, right? If you're prepared for this, the the level of calm is different than if we're just saying, yeah, I need to go get water. Cause I, you know, it's going to be here in, in five hours. I should go do that. And oh wait, Walmart's closed. Um, talk me, talk to me a little bit about, I mean, you've spent a lot of time over the last year plus uh, hardening your own infrastructure, uh, what's acceptable and not acceptable anymore with what you're willing to uh, tolerate from a risk standpoint with your clients on the on the technology side, not even getting into like, in the event that there's a disaster, you can't plug your laptop in at this one location because it's not a good idea. I mean, those kind of things obviously may come up, may not. But talk to me about we're planning for this disaster or this event that you know is going to have a direct impact to business. What does it look like when you're talking through that prep part that's more about 
Um, we talked about like, you know, you said, you know, having inventory, I've got spare firewalls, spare laptops, things that I might need in the event that I can't either get to a store because a store can't deliver to me because, you know, roads are down or power lines are down, those kind of things. You know, what does it look like? How do you go about preparing both internally and with your clients on saying things like, hey, if you end up having to work from home, this is the checklist you're going to have to go through before you're going to be back to operational. Kind of like what you said earlier in your story of of the the lady that you had to call back and say, here's how you get on your hotspot. And funny enough, if she would have had a battery or like, you know, one of those bricks that you can have that you can recharge your phone off of, she probably could have gone, you know, 24, 48 hours without ever having to worry about getting back on power. For sure. And, and one thing, Oddly enough, COVID helped. I know that sounds sure, um, but for the bulk of our customers, we were able to really define their work from home policies during COVID because you know we had to do things we probably wouldn't normally do. Yeah, right? just to get people up, and then after that whole whole thing passed, and you know we use a documentation system, and we actually have a work from home asset in there. So that we know what the customer's role is. So I have a, I'll give you an example. I have a law firm and it says, hey, if any attorney calls in and you can validate that they're an attorney, you are pre-approved to give them remote access using these methods, right? On their corporate device, right? That, that's the gotcha, on their corporate device. Um, so we're, we're, not, we're not putting VPN on somebody's home PC at that customer, right? And we, we have that and, you know, in some cases, we do have customers that allow uh, personal devices to access the VPN for one reason or another. And for those customers, we do have, you know, basically an email. In some cases, we have a waiver stating that they understand that these PCs are not managed, have no security, and are a risk. And the customer is saying, I understand this risk. I don't care. They need to work. Right. That kind of thing. Right. Um, so in the, in the eyes of an MSP, we got to be super careful, right? So we leverage things like zero trust firewalls and, you know, all kinds of crazy apps and we use virtual desktops. So I don't care where the techs are. They can be in Tampa. They can be in the Bahamas. They can be in Europe. Um, they're going to be on a secured connection to a trusted set of IPs. And everything they do is encrypted. So we're not running into that. Well, we have to quickly install RMM agent on people's home PCs. Everybody has the corporate machine that uses a virtual desktop. Gotcha. Very secure. And are, funny enough, are walking through getting ready for the CompTIA Trustmark and for CIS helped us have a better foothold so that when we do activate work from home, we're just, it's business as usual. We're just not physically in the office. Right. Which kind of goes back to what you said about what COVID kind of prepared us for or what we were unprepared for that we won't repeat again. Correct. Correct. And, you know, it's just it's it's all about just getting people, you know, ready and comfortable and making sure that if you are connecting in from a remote asset, uh, you know, like a home device or whatever, um, that there's a secured way to do so. It's firewalled off. You know, there's some kind of agent on the machine, that kind of stuff. Not to not to trivialize this, but for those that maybe were at ChannelCon or have heard Scott Augenbaum 
present or read his book, uh, The Secret of Cybersecurity, you know, if 90, uh, it's in the 90s, I won't try to figure out the exact percentage again. Most bad things that happen could have been prevented with basic cyber hygiene. And I think largely what you're describing, you know, triggered by disaster or otherwise, if we think with a cyber hygiene mindset, it's really not that inconvenient to operate in a more secure fashion than what we were used to doing, which was, it's all about me and I can't be inconvenienced with having to blink twice and, you know, rub my belly and my head at the same time before I can log in. Um, you can learn to do these things and pretty soon it'll be a habit and you'll do it without even thinking about it. Change is hard. Um, what we know isn't hard is recognizing that a hurricane is coming. If you live in Florida, you no longer go, oh man, a hurricane. I don't know what to do. I don't know what that is. I'm going to panic just like all of those that are going to go by water at the last minute. Uh, if they have somebody like Showtech in the equation, that is not the case. Yeah, it's it's all about communication with the customer and having a plan so that we know what's what. Um, you know, so I'll just I'll give you another example. One of the questions I have on the work from home policy is, is the building locked down during a storm? Um, because of mag locks and things like that, there are some buildings in the Tampa Bay area that when the storm comes, they make sure everybody's out of the building and they literally chain the door. Yeah. Right. So even if you wanted to get into the office, that ain't happening. But if you were already in, you're safe because you can't get out. Yeah, you can't get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> so so know. let's let's shrink the problem. Let's let's make this a a we're talking we've talked about like it's a big deal. I mean, no joke, a hurricane is a big deal. I mean, we obviously saw like with hurricane happening in, you know, Hurricane Hillary in, in the Southern California region. I mean, they understand earthquakes, but they aren't necessarily equipped for a hurricane. Um, so we, we know how severe natural disasters can be, but what about little things? You know, um, we, you know, we had a laptop get popped and so sock kicked in and they are like, we see an anomaly. We're going to disable this guy's laptop. Um, you know, what are protocols that, that need to be in place for stuff like that? Because it just so happens that this person happens to be strong in the security space. He respects and understands that inconvenience. But what about, you know, your clients that they're not in the IT, they're not security focused, you know, have you had or done exercises with your clients to talk about things like, hey, um, we see an anomaly happening on your laptop and I don't care that you're an attorney, we just disabled your laptop. Yeah, and we've done that a few times. Um, we, uh, what was it? Yesterday afternoon, one of the customers actually closed up shop and they left a very uh, small amount of people in the office. And so what happens when employees are left alone in a building for hours? They start doing dumb things. And uh, what we, you mean I'm not supposed to yeah. bit torrent that movie? So we, we start we I respect the guy who was doing it, but we got a pop for a World of Warcraft installer. We're like, uh, we're going to say no and then always on that one. And then when he couldn't play WoW, he went to Hearthstone. And we're like, nope. And now he's trying to install, uh, you know, Steam. 
No, so now we're calling the, the customer contact. Hey, this is happening. Turns out it was somebody's kid who they brought in, right? And the kid was trying to, to play games like, on a corporate device. Even worse. <laughs> Not perhaps. Yes. Way worse. Yes. So, <clears throat> so when I called the customer, I was like, hey, I'm seeing all of this stuff. And they're like, that's weird. Let me call. So the, the our customer contact called that employee, found out it was the kid doing it. And uh, funny enough, they had a laptop for the kid, but he's like, he, he wanted a bigger screen. So he wanted to use the machine with the 27 inch monitor. So that's why he went over there. But, uh, you know, cable. Yeah. Well, they didn't want to touch it. Right. Cause they didn't want right. to see a map, but it's just funny. Right. So we have tools in place that will allow us to on the fly, be able to remediate. We also have the ability if they end up doing something, they shouldn't. And our SOC team does deem that it's a security. They will isolate the box, right? And it, we, we get a couple isolations a, a quarter. So it's not not too bad. Do you do any of like preemptive around that? Like obviously what you experienced there, like I, I realize we talked about CIS, the trust mark and internally facing, but I feel like that is an example of, you know, we could say in my acceptable use policy, if you allow your kids or spouses or whatever to get on your machine, that's a fireable offense. And 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 I think that's different than you accidentally clicked on a link, right? There's there's a difference between Correct. being inconvenienced, knowing that it's an inconvenience, and then still choosing to go around uh, almost with malicious intent, right? Like, well, nothing will happen. It's not a big deal. It's like, it's not that much money being taken off the out of the register like if they notice they'll just be like ah oh, whatever he's still a good guy um have you done any like preemptive stuff like where you um encourage or help clients shape policy around some of that and i don't mean policy as in like you should write a you know policy but like hey can I see your acceptable use policy? Because we're going to be putting all this stuff into your environment. We're making changes for security best practices and to protect you. You know, I would think like something like this would be like almost a direct violation of the engagement you have with them. And that would have been a billable item. Like, hey, you chose to allow someone that's not an employee here. We're providing IT services and a lift that should have been avoided because they don't work there. Yeah, it, it is a bit of a struggle and a challenge, right? Um, in this case, well, in that case, they claim they didn't know the kid was doing it, right? So that, um, that's a different problem. I have one question. I understand the part where the kid didn't know, but what about the part where how did he get onto the machine? Oh, yeah, it's for sure. So like th that that was handled. Yeah, oh, you took the post-it note off the monitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, but it's a good point, and and we're trying to get better at it. I'm not going to tell you we're the best, but we are trying to align uh, the customers' policies. There is we're, no we're best, Charles. Well. There is no best. There, no, there is but, good and maybe better. But a lot of customers are like, yeah, that's one of those things I need to do. So funny enough, oh. we have a compliance module, right, where we have pre-written. Uh, computer use policies, things like sure. that. So this year, I've been having a ton of meetings with the customers to show them this module. And they're all like, oh my God, like th this is amazing because to steal your word, they've been going through analysis paralysis for years sure. saying, 
I know we need a policy, but I don't know how to write one. And I'm like, you know, that thing that we use that fishes your employees. We are well, going to say the internet. Yeah. But they're like, we have one and we can show it to you. And so this year we've been really focusing on trying to align what the customer wants with the technology behind it to make sure that if we're going to say this, then we actually do that. Right. So, yeah. So essentially saying we're here to enforce the rules. We're not here to create the rules unless you need rules that you don't understand or don't know about. And now I have to educate you on that before we can move forward. Correct. Correct. I think that's, to me, that's the hardest one, right? So like, it's, it's one thing to meet with a client or a pro, especially a prospect and they give you like, this is who we are. This is how we operate. This is what we need to be able to do. And you're like, cool, no problem. I can meet all those things. But then there's the pieces that are just a given, right? You're an MSP. We deliver these services to all of our clients, no exceptions. What happens with what you're about to implement actually breaks the rules for a client? For sure. And and I think that's just, you know, it's an inevitable, but, you know. Well, you have uh, now 23.5 hours until your storm comes to hit you. Uh, is there any last parting words that you would share with the audience who might be dealing with a storm or a PS5 or a uh, child in the office? Because um, yeah. I think of so many CIS safeguards that just pop into my head as soon as you started saying some of that, like goes back to this customer, this client maybe needs some better rules internally, uh, which are yeah. not yours. But I think if you were to go back to them and say, oh, by the way, uh, I'm going to inflict this on you. And I said inflict, and that is the bill for the hours logged against solving for the child that wanted a bigger monitor. Yeah, it's, you know, I what I like to do, and this is a pretty good advice for anybody who is, I don't care if it's a big rainstorm or if it's a hurricane or whatever, um, have your postmortem with the team, Yeah. right? Uh, so once the storm is clear, once the dust is settled, Get you know, and I'll be doing this as well. I do it every year or every storm. I have a big you know digital whiteboard, and I go, all right, cool. So what worked? What did? What do we wish we have? What do we wish we had that we didn't? And what did we do that we don't think we needed to do next time? So our rule is kind of like a CIS policy. It's ever changing. It's never done. So after every major event, we're reviewing our storm procedure, and then making slight adjustments. Do you have any API metrics that go along with that? Like any sort of like, hey, we keep saying this one over and over again as not working. Um, have you had any of that happen? Or is it really more of like, you just kind of correct course and it gets updated into the handbook or the playbook? So we're a little bit unique because we do a lot of social service type customers. Sure. Um, so they're going to be locked in the building where their servers are. Right. So there's really not a whole lot that can happen if they don't have internet, it's not the end of the world. Right. Um, chances are a dentist isn't really concerned about working remotely during a storm. Nobody's getting their teeth. <laughs> right. So we we may we're just a little bit more unique where we, we are a little bit heavy with customers that have physical infrastructure yeah. uh, in that nonprofit space. But you know, for those customers in Azure, now we're going to be looking at, so those customers who aren't using a Starlink type service, right? that's something we're actually really investigating to see if we should be really recommending this so that I they gotcha. can stay up. Got it. 
That's cool, man. Uh, I, I really appreciate you sharing. I think that more of us in the cybersecurity space need to pause and think about cybersecurity is only one piece of what it means to focus on a secure workspace or to really meet the requirements of most of the frameworks now that are out there that cover things like leadership and governance and physical and environmental. So really appreciate it. Um, we'll have to do one on the OT of things and in a near future episode. Uh, Charles, thanks for being on. For those of you listening, be safe out there. Have a great week. Thanks, Chris. Thank you.